0: Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. Well, it's been a little bit. Um, you know, it's that busy time of year where all kinds of things are Happening a million miles an hour around you. So uh, let's catch up on some stuff happening out there in the entertainment world. Um, I happened to see today the trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, it's called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It looks typical Indiana Jones, and I'm totally here for it. I have said before I'm a child of the 70s and 80s and so Indiana Jones Goonies Never Ending Story um those are my jam and I absolutely love Indiana Jones uh looks like it's coming out next June on the 30th and Harrison Ford has said that this series ends with him but at the same time it also seems like they're setting up Phoebe Waller-Bridge for taking up the reins in the future. So um, it seems like her character might be the daughter of Marcus, who was Indy's kind of comic relief uh, person that was in a lot of the original movies. So I d- that could be the case. Hopefully they changed the name of it. Um, you know, maybe she takes over teaching at the school for him and, I don't know. So I'll be curious to see how that turns out. Um, it, it, it's not directed by Steven Spielberg, which is kind of a disappointment, but considering his last attempt at an Indiana Jones movie, which was the um, uh, kingdom skull King. Uh, what the heck was it? See, it was so bad. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, that one was a big flop to be frank. I, I, I pretend like it didn't happen. So, uh, to me, I am certainly willing to give this movie a chance. It's not that I'm not going to see it. You know, I will. Um, Disney has also said that they are going to have more indie movies in the future, and I'm just a little worried with what they've done with like MCU, what they're doing with Star Wars, that it's going to become something we don't recognize anymore, and. Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, point blank. The guy is also 80. So my dad, who's only a few years older than him, I could not imagine him doing something to this scale. Now, I'm sure he's had trainers working with him for a long time. I'm sure some of the effects are minimal and that it's not as physically demanding as it used to be. But, you know, I I don't know. The guy can't keep doing these movies, Um, I've heard him say this is his last. So I guess we'll just have to sit by and wait and see. Uh, But speaking of Disney, they recently released Willow, the series. And the first few episodes are out. Um, I grew up with uh, the original Willow movie, uh, Warwick Davis, and having uh Jolie Whitley as <laughs> Joanne Wally. Not, I don't even know who Jolie Whitley is. Uh Joanne Wally. They're reprising their roles, and the two of them... So I watched this movie, Willow, so many times as a kid. So many times. It was one of the few movies that were out there that showed a female that was strong. She could fight. She was just amazingly tough. And it was something that I gravitated to. So I was very, very into this movie when I was younger. It had some great comic relief with um, the uh, brownies. And in fact, I was just watching it the other day. And there's a great little scene where he falls into this tub and he comes out and he's like, beer and dives back in. So That, to me, will be the standard. So far, uh, I've watched a part of the first episode, and although I do like some of the characters, uh, don't get me wrong here, I, I do like them, I feel like everything is placating to those of us that grew up in that generation that are maybe born in middle to late 70s, early 80s, have kids or grandkids that are of appropriate age to be watching these movies, it's enough nostalgia for me to get super excited about it, but it's also kid level in a way that the original Willow wasn't. And if you watch it now as an adult, it was quite a dark movie with dark themes, and they didn't they didn't shy away from some of that. You know, if you look at Neverending Story, look at Goonies, uh, these movies were not campy. They were they were sometimes dark and serious, and nowadays it's so touchy feely, campy, kiddish. Um, and maybe that's the way that they want it. it. Again, it's Disney, so um it's set twenty years after the movie. Which, if that's really all it's set after, Sorsha, who is now the queen, did not age well, <laughs> as far as that goes. Now I know she. Uh, the actor portraying Saoirse. So again, this is um, Joanne Wally. She has had a a difficult road. She hasn't been in a ton of material. Um, You know, she had a difficult marriage to work around and raise her kids and do other things. And so I don't think she's been involved in too much. And, she, she has aged differently than her character has aged. Now, that being said, I also prefer to see someone age versus all plastic. And I'm looking at you, Madonna. There I said it. Um, I want people to look the age that they are, not this horrible thing of getting plastic surgery and stuff to your face. So you look like a 20 year old when you're 65, 70. It just, it's not realistic. Um, but anyway, sorry for the tangent there. Um, so it's sent 20 years after the movie. The, the show itself feels pretty epic. So it has that almost Lord of the Rings type of landscape and the, um, The music is grand. And of course, we have a group of people similar to a fellowship. And it's a group of kids and adults. Um, I do like the character Kit. And I'll I'll reserve judgment on the remainder of the show. I have to give it a fair shake. It's only been a little bit into the first season. Um, As of right now, the nostalgia is high. Cheesiness factor is also high. Um, but I forgot to mention with the new Indiana Jones, this will be John Williams' final film before retiring. That to me is almost as big as this could be Indiana Jones's swan song here. Uh, I, as you all know, absolutely love a good soundtrack, I love the music. That is in the movie. And when I listen to the music, when it's a really well done soundtrack, I can hear the movie, I can see the movie in my mind's eye. Um, And John Williams is definitely the greatest. Um, He has set the bar by which everyone else aspires. So that's a big deal. And um, regardless of how I feel about the movie, the soundtrack will be a part of what I take away from it, I'm sure. And last but not least, uh, we've got the new season of The Crown that has released. I have loved this show since the beginning. To see someone like Imelda Staunton uh, taking the role of the Queen is amazing. Um, I do have to say there was one scene where she was playing with the Queen's corgis and she laughed. And all I thought of was, oh, my God, it's Professor Umbridge. So... (laughs) You know, can't help it, I'm sure that's just her laugh, uh, which is great, but it just made me chuckle and the hard part about this season of the crown is this is the the period of time, the decade that I remember. I remember these headlines, I remember these stories growing up. Um, I remember where I was in college when my friend called me to tell me about Princess Diana. so these are the the moments that impact how I viewed the royal family and and what I looked at that family to be. Um, that being said, this has not been my favorite season. It's it's a well-done show, as it always is. Uh, it's just not that catching, to be honest. I think everybody wants to see how they're going to portray um, – Prince Charles and Princess Diana, Um, the actors that they have, spot on. Um, I saw a great TikTok, of course, where they were playing the video that, um, the interview that Princess Diana gave with what is shown in the crown. And that actress studied. She was spot on with the facial movements, the head tilt, the look, everything. It Incredible. So I think that's being overshadowed by some of the the longer storylines that are just kind of dragging us by. So again, I'm not done with that one either. So I've got a lot of watching to do. In addition to all of the movies that have come out recently, Enola Holmes 2 is on my list. Um, there's also uh, God Forbid, which is on Hulu. She Said... Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. And of course, with the release of uh, Madly Deeply, I want to talk about that book and, and my thoughts on Alan Rickman Diaries, uh, because I have a lot, but I'm going to dedicate an entire episode for that, I think. So without much ado, let's talk about the movie that I wanted to talk about today. Um, it's one that I watched in, oh gosh, when did I see it? For the first time, I think it was just last month. And that movie is called Prey. Um, You all know how much I love a movie with a strong female lead. And I know that that's getting to be a little cliche. Uh, They'll take a a well-known role and reboot it and then slap a woman in there in place of a male lead and call it something new and exciting. Um, This, very different. Very, very different. So... um, This movie actually has a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And having seen it now a couple of times, I really wish I would have gotten to see this movie in a theater full of the rich sounds and the soundtrack, of course. But just the way that you get immersed in a movie in a theater versus at home, it just cannot be duplicated without a lot of money. I know there are people that are able to duplicate that experience um but you know this is one that gosh I wish I would have had that chance but anyway um I found out about this movie when I was at work one day I don't even know how it came up but one of my coworkers started yelling how could I not have seen this that this is the type of movie that's right up my alley and how could you have missed it so here I am this movie starts out, um, we're, we're sitting in some fields. It's a, it's Comanche land in the Northern Great Plains in September of 1719. Uh, when I was out in Colorado in October and we were driving through like Nebraska and South Dakota, I was actually trying to think of what those plains areas could have looked like back in the day. Uh, when, you would see animals roaming, um, namely bison or um, it, antelope. You would see them in a way that we cannot see them today, where Indigenous people were able to live on their land, where they could hunt and be free. Um, I, I just that's what I thought of as I drove through those areas and what that must have been like back then. Um, and so this movie sort of brings you to that time and it's a prequel to the Predator franchise. So Predator was released about 35 years ago. And again, here's something that plays into the nostalgia of those of us that grew up with these movies. Predator was not one that I was super into when I was younger. Um, I think 45 year old me would like that better than child me. Um, But this movie was one of the best movies I have seen in quite a while. It was very well done. And to to give you an idea of back in those, those days, back in that time, um, we see this young woman and she's asked, well, why do you want to go hunt? And her answer is, because you all think I can't. And it's that age-old thing that... This is a boy's job, that's a girl's job. This is for a man, this is for a woman. And and somehow we subscribe to this. And here we are in 2022 and we still live under those rules. Pink is for girls, blue is for boys. How dare you give someone this? We assign gender way early. And all of these things that have transpired since you know, in that 300 year period or so. And so you have to just kind of take yourself back to that time. You also have to take yourself and look at what this would be like as a young girl living in those times. When you're told you have to marry that boy because he is the strongest warrior or the best hunter or whatever that might be. And your whole job is to clean, to cook, to have babies, to perpetuate the, the village, the tribe, the city, whatever that is. And so we see this girl sleeping in a teepee with her dog. And I will admit the absolute first thing I thought of when I saw the dog was please don't hurt that dog. Please don't let anything happen to the dog. Um, thankfully, uh, there is, I will just tell you now, there's nothing that happens to this dog. He makes it out of the movie, fine. Um, but thankful to another coworker who clued me into a website. It call, It's called Does the Doggy Die? Doesthedogdie.com. And it will tell you for that, among a bunch of other type of triggering events or um, different subjects, that if something bothers you so much... so. Again, we'll go back to the dog. If if a dog dies, I don't want to watch your movie. I don't want to watch your show. End of the story. It might be the best ever, but if you hurt that animal, I'm out. And sometimes it's hard that I care more about that animal than I do the person that I'm supposed to care about. But um, so if there's something that is difficult. So another example for me would be if they have subject matter around adoption, that is something that is very, I hate to say the word triggering, because I think that's used for too many things these days. But it, it bothers me in a very different way than other types of subjects. So, I am able to go to this website, find out what I want to find out about this without getting spoilers, without anything like that, and know if this is a movie that I can devote my time to and watch it. So, anyway, let's go back to the girl sleeping with her dog. Um, she walks out and sighs, and sort of, you know, how we would sigh if you look out of your window, come out of your home, and you're like, oh gosh. I got to go do X, Y, and Z. I have to go mow the lawn. I have to go, you know, whatever those mundane tasks are that we're not that excited about. Um, but then we see her practicing throwing a tomahawk. And we see how she's learning. She's trying to focus on accuracy and making an X in a tree. Um what I thought was really cool is that she spots a white teal white tailed deer and she gives commands to her dogs. And at the time there's a sound that you hear, it kind of sounds like a, like a jet or a rocket or some sort flying over. Um, And she's trying to get to the deer that her, her dog is, is sort of hurting. And of course she misses um, but then we hear this snap and we hear the dog whine again. Please don't hurt this dog, please don't hurt this dog. Um and we're able to find that uh the dog is trapped in a um like a bear trap. And so the first thing I think of is where we are, um, the nature that's around, we're probably talking some um, French like fur trappers, things like that. So likely that's what those were set around for. Um, she is able to inspect the trap. She, um, her dog's tail was stuck in it, so thankfully he was able to still run and, and everything. Um, and the, the camera pans up, and we see fire and lightning in the sky. And she says that it's some kind of a thunderbird and um when she meets up with her brother there's this great brother sister banter that happens the the chemistry between these two characters i can see them as siblings absolutely and you can tell that he is a skilled hunter like he has probably been born for this bred for this this is what he is going to do with his life and she talks to him about how she's ready for that moment. She, she wants to hunt. She wants to join her brother and his friends. And he tells her, you're not ready. You're not ready for that moment to hunt something that's hunting you. And it's great foreshadowing here because you just know that eventually she's going to run into something that is then going to hunt her. And not long after this interaction with her brother, her chance arrives when a lion is spotted. And then we learn that somebody is missing. And so she joins, she joins the boys from the tribe on a hunt. They're out to go find this missing person um, and then also get the lion while they're out there. The whole way out to find uh, this person, you, you sense and you can see that she is not wanted. They joke, they joke around with her that they don't think that they'll be gone long enough to need a cook or different things like that That's that the girl's job would be. And her brother actually tries sticking up for her a bit, and he shares that she's really good at tracking. She's really good with medicine. And she's actually able to find the young man that was missing and provide medicine to him that saves his life. And... The the young girl that we're talking about, her name is Naru, and she is very observant, and she's connecting all these pieces that she sees together. And sometimes she's the only one that is seeing this stuff, and she's trying to tell people and trying to share, like, hey, there's something going on here. Um, The one thing I do like about this movie is as we're clearly here to watch her journey, and we're clearly here to see what uh, she is experiencing and how she's growing in her skills, it's like a mirror to the predator. And her skills are um, very much rudimentary. They're what she has available currently. And so if you think about it being seventeen in the 1700s, you don't have much. You've got... Bows and arrows. You have tomahawks. You've got knives that you've made out of different materials. And the only thing you don't have is probably what the French fur trappers have, which is muskets. So we see we see some very different technology being used by the predator, and its predator was really advanced for its time back in the 80s. And that's no change. Like, the things that this predator can do are quite amazing. Um, so it's, it's a, a great play between the high technical advanced weaponry and traditional um, homemade type of things that she is using. So ultimately... Nauru's brother is successful in the hunt for the lion and he is celebrated in the tribe and he's treated like a warrior. And while they're busy celebrating, she's, of course, concerned about all those other things that she's seeing and hearing and putting together. And she makes a decision that if they can't see what's out there, she must go and do it herself, that there's some type of threat, there's something out there, and maybe this is her chance to go find out what it is and uh, take care of it, protect her family, protect her tribe. So she makes a decision uh, to go alone. She loads up and heads out. And some of the animals that they that they show in certain parts are very clearly CGI. Um, it doesn't help me in not feeling bad for the animals. Uh, the, the, there's a scene with a wolf that's particularly gruesome and very sad to me. Um, I think it's, maybe it's unnecessary. Maybe I just think it's unnecessary. It it certainly plays to a part of the story. I think they could have gotten that point out without belaboring that so much. Um, but when she is out on her quest and, uh, trying to get a rabbit, she spends a lot of energy throwing and trying to really hone her skills. And she devises a way to throw her tomahawk and retrieve it and throw it again quickly. And it's that skill building that people that like uh, lit RPGs, um, that type of thing where it's, it's questing and skill grinding. And um, you can see this in person, So you watch her gaining skill and creating something that you know will be extremely useful in the future. And at one point she comes across this field of skinned buffaloes. Um, what I think is great about this movie is it also shows her paying respect to these animals. Um, and another thing I should mention about this movie is they shot it two ways. One was in all English and the other was in Comanche and there's some subtitles. There's some, um, some words that are spoken uh, and it has just a very different feel to it when you see it in natural tongue versus English. And, um, that part I think is also just another great layer to this movie. Um, where they are taking culture and history and showing that. Uh, every time they show her dog, he's so sweet, and I just love him, and I just want him to be okay. Um, but there's, a, there's this really powerful scene as she's, as she's moving through these fields, and um, she's kind of up on a, on a cliffside. And she's watching a bear. And all of a sudden, you see the wind blow her hair in a direction that is blowing the wind towards the bear instead of her being downwind. And she realizes that. And her dog takes off to lead the bear in another direction away from her. And again, yes, I was saying, please don't hurt the dog. Please don't hurt the dog. Um, And... So it's, it's a great way to watch how her dog was a hunting partner with her, how he was trying to keep her from being hurt um, and sensing danger, pulling danger away from her. Uh, there, there comes a moment where uh, her brother and his friends, um, they have left to go find her because now she's the missing person. And her brother's friends find her first. And they demand that she returns home. And she tries to tell them about the things that she's found, about the clues along the way, about the skinned animals, about what she has learned. And they, of course, don't want to hear it. And there's a pretty intense fight that happens between her and these boys. And she's a very good fighter. But overall, the brutality of these men, boys, um in this period of time always reign supreme and so of course they make sure that she is coming with them and they um there's a another fight that happens between when the predator comes and she she runs away she escapes that situation only to get caught in a trap herself and she's taken captive by these french fur trappers and there's a there's a pretty cool scene where the predator is invisible you cannot you cannot see him with your eyes and like there's this mirrory stuff that kind of shows as you show him go from um something visible to invisible and he's standing right there looking at her when she is captured by these Frenchmen. And she discovers that not only do they have her when she wakes up, they have her dog and her brother. Please don't hurt the dog. Please don't hurt the dog. (laughs) This is my common theme. And we learn while we're trying to listen to what they're saying, and we don't know what they're saying, um, but we know that they're looking for something. And the Frenchman decide, Hey, the best thing that we can do to find whatever it is that we're trying to find is to use the brother and the sister as bait. Let's tie him up to a tree. And what they don't know is that this particular predator, he doesn't go after bait. He hunts for what's hunting. So the predator knows that this is the bait for him. So he's hunting those that are using the bait to find him. And he only hunts for prey that he sees as equal and does not hunt for those that do not pose a threat. It doesn't take the bait. So that's why he left Nauru as she was, because she wasn't a threat at the time when she was taken captive. And when her and her brother were tied up to a tree as bait, he didn't go after them because they weren't a threat. And her brother acknowledges that she sees what he misses. And there's a quote that he shares that comes straight from the original Predator, which is, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And they kind of devise a plan on um, how to capture or kill it or trap it or do something. Um, So she, my favorite scene is when all these Frenchmen see the predator and they fire their muskets, right? So the musket is a ball round that's put down this long rifle um, and then you've got gunpowder and then you have to pack it in, right? So it it takes a few minutes to fire shots. It's not like something you can buy today where it's bang, 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 bang. This is a bang, (laughs) you know, let's wait a little bit. Three, four minutes later, bang again. So <laughs> they're, they're all firing at him, and he has a shield. And so he blocks everything, and because it's 1719, and they all have muskets, they right away realize our shots did nothing. They try to load. Well, you can guess what happens at that point. But that's my, it's my favorite scene. Um, but we get to a point where Nauru frees herself and her brother, and of course, she goes to rescue her dog, because, you know, that's what I would do. And the first part of her plan is very interesting. She decides to kidnap one of the surviving French fur trappers, and leaves him for the predator as a bait, while she watches and waits in disguise. And what she's saying as she's preparing this moment is, you think I'm not a hunter like you, and I'm not a threat. And she's saying this to the trapper. But that's what makes me dangerous. You can't see that I'm killing you, and it won't either. And the predator, of course, is not going after the Frenchman. It's going after her. And when, um, when all of this kind of happens, the Frenchman turns around and becomes the aggressor. So then the predator right away switches and brutally kills this Frenchman. And she begins to then engage and fight with the predator. And... It's quite a good fight. Um, the things that she does, the way that she uses, she's able to like tear off his helmet and use some of her own techniques. Um, she has a, a moment where she brings the predator into a marshland because it's kind of like every other movie when you get to that point that the... You know, the good guy has to take the bad guy somewhere where now they have the upper hand. So she brings him to this marshland and the way she has set it up is when uh, when the predator starts to sink and he starts to shoot at Nauru, she has placed his helmet in a certain spot, which then makes it really fire it right back at himself. So her mission is accomplished, and she returns to her tribe with his disembodied head as a trophy, and then she gets praise for her efforts. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that it, they kind of pan to some of the young girls that are watching her, like she watched her brother, and you can see things are starting to change. So that won't be the last female warrior that is in that tribe in the future. Um, she, so, you know, the, the cool thing is that we see the technology pieces being so different. The language is so different. And it's, I think something where young girls can watch this and be like, I could be tough like that. I can be smart like that. It doesn't involve flashy weapons or um, these acrobatic martial arts. You know, that stuff didn't exist back then. And there's, a, there's one final scene in the movie that um, it actually comes before she leads the Predator to the marshland. And you know what's going to happen because it's her and her brother— And he's been helping and trying to wear down the predator, and they're fighting it, but they're just not gaining the upper hand. And it's an incredible fight scene. Um, And her brother knows and says this is as far as he goes because he is the threat. And so it's it's a very emotional scene when you're watching it. Um, and I think that's what sort of changes her from the young girl that wanted to be the warrior to the one that understands what can happen or the sacrifices you make to make sure that your people are safe. And, um, when she's able to come home, she tells her tribal leaders what she knows and, how they need to move to more protected grounds and i wish that they would have sent sent uh, they would have spent more time showing us how she got the predator where she did in the end and how that all played out because it is really good and there were a number of traps that were set up for the predator but how did she learn that where when did she put it together Um, Is it something she just knew? Did she learn from her brother? Did she learn from an uncle? You know, where did this knowledge come from? Um, The description of the movie is uh, set in the Comanche nation 300 years ago. Prey is the story of a young woman, Naru, a fierce and highly skilled warrior. She's been raised in the shadow of some of the most legendary hunters who roam the Great Plains. So when danger threatens her camp, she sets out to protect her people. The prey she stalks and ultimately confronts turns out to be a highly evolved alien predator with a technically advanced arsenal, resulting in a vicious and terrifying showdown between the two adversaries. So it came out in August. So again, it took me months to be able to to see it. Um, It was a phenomenal movie. I know that the actors did about a four-week boot camp Um, the water that they show in the movie was actually glacial runoff. So it was very, very cold. The young man that played her brother, uh, this was his first role. It was the first time that he went on an airplane and went to an audition and he was just working a regular job playing music at night and doing auditions on the weekends. So he was told originally that this was just going to be a small part. And then he found out the role that he that he was getting and the dog which I've talked a lot about now on this one um, the the dog was a shelter dog did not have any of the training that normally these dog actors have uh, the dog's name is Coco and she wasn't intended to be such a large part of the film originally um, she was rescued by her family specifically for this project and um, she was originally meant to have just a small role, but her popularity among the test audiences encouraged the director to include more of her in the film. And apparently it wasn't always easy shooting with a dog that hasn't had training and doesn't really know where to go and how to you know, how to do what you need it to do. Um, but the other fun thing about this movie, too, is that are, the trapper scene or the trapper fight was a one shot sequence and it's called a cowboy shot because the stunt double and the actor roll in and out of the scene. So as the camera moves, you see one and then it's replaced by the other and they just keep going over that. Um, they just do it in a way where it's seamless. So it looks like we're having this very large fight when it's just these two actors that are bouncing back and forth. Um, It was just a well-done movie, and I highly recommend it. It's not scary like you would think an alien predator movie would be, so this is not your um, alien movie. Uh, This is just a well-done, suspenseful look at what life may have been like in the 1700s if an alien predator landed in your field. That's it. So I have talked more than long enough today. This has been the longest one I've had for a while. So um, I want to go ahead and make sure that I get this out there. So thank you for joining me and take care and be well.